into the contest. It's Thursday, the 31st of March. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And Shane, you've got a very serious rugby union meeting today. Very serious. <laughs> I think I think he might be reading between the lines there. I'm, I'm catching up with a rugby legend in George Gregan, uh, who's a good mate of mine, and uh, it's more of a social breakfast, mate, a bit of a catch-up. And, uh, yeah, George is um, – we, we talk about rugby, and I want to get his thoughts on where we're at uh, in the national game here, but um, no, it'll be a bit more of a laugh and a, just just a, a social catch-up this morning, mate. Okay, so it's more about the avocado on toast than <laughs> yeah. the future of Australian rugby and the Blood is Like Cup. But uh, we will find out exactly what happens at your meeting a little later on. Coming up on the show today, of course, last night, the memorial service for Shane Warne at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, the unveiling of the Shane Warne stand. And tonight, there's a couple of huge games of football, both in the rugby league and the AFL. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies, and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Shane, you are at the Sydney Cricket Ground last night with the memorial service for Shane Warne from the MCG, simulcast live. Yeah, mate, it was um, it was a, a sombre sort of affair. It was uh, I thought they did a really good job, um, the broadcast from Melbourne. Um, some really good speakers. I enjoyed listening to particularly Alan Border and, and Mark Taylor talk about captaining Warney. I thought that was really good. Murph Hughes was, uh, was a good laugh as usual. Um, yeah. The big thing my takeout from that was that how many um, how many people Warney actually still stayed in contact with and and also uh, made an effort to, to to catch up with he was he was a very social person we know that um, but a dear friend to a lot of people and a lot of high profile people as well yeah of course there were so many highlights for so many players that played cricket and you you really got the impression again didn't you how it reinforced how this guy was much more than cricket he transcended the world of cricket. Yeah, it was really tough to watch, particularly uh, his daughter, Brooke, which she spoke. I oh, was sort of choking up talking about it now, but it was really, really tough to watch. And, uh, you know, Warney was – he admitted himself he was very selfish as a sportsman and he dedicated – you know, cricket was his number one priority. And I just think at this t- time of his life, he was about to spend some more time with his kids and his kids were finally going to get the dad that they probably didn't really get access to when they were younger – and then, of course, um, that's been taken away from them. So really, really hard to watch. Shane Warne, the great Shane, Keith Warne. I have so many wonderful memories of watching him play, covering his career. I remember the night that him and Tim May were in the bar until late and then the following morning just dismantled the New Zealand cricket team. Uh, there was also what he did to the West Indies up there in uh, the north of India before the World Cup final. So many moments, the way he bowled against South Africa. Shane, was there something as a, as, as a player, as someone that you played a lot with in the Australian one-day team, something that stood out? Yeah, mate, for, for me, with Warney, it was every time he bowled. It wasn't just one time. When it, whenever the ball was put in his hand, the, the whole, I know, the energy of the ground changed, the, 
the expectation from the crowd changed. Um, he believed he could turn a game at any situation, no matter how bad the situation might be. And more often than not, he did, mate. He was um, he was a super competitor. Um, he was really well driven. He could be sort of tired, hungover, hadn't slept, lost on the punt the night before, and he'd still be up for for, for the battle. Now, Nick Kyrgios, I know he does so much with the NK Foundation. Look, and, and no denying well, the you know the, the the work that he did in and around the bushfires and other things. But when it comes to his off-field behaviour and his perception of what the truth is, sometimes I think there's a an idea of what Nick believes and then what everyone else believes. I don't know. I think. As frustrating as he is to watch for us, I think it must be so frustrating to be him himself. Um, he would know deep down he can go out and blast off a top five uh, ranked player in the world as he has done time and time out and then just implode against a, a someone he should beat every time. So that must be frustrating for himself. And I, and I think that sort of comes out. You know, the, the recent blow up that he had in Indian Wells with the umpire Carlos Bernardez when he actually hit the... Um, the umpire's chair. Well, it was the same. It was the same umpire again um, in Miami, and he just sort of ended up getting into a fight with with the the chair umpire again and saying he demanded he should be sacked. And now he's starting to he's starting to fight and take battles that he doesn't need to do. And uh, I just just distracts from how good the guy can be. But I think deep down, mate, it just must be so frustrating for himself. So much more to come on the show. We've got a couple of cracking games of footy, rugby league, of course, with the Tigers tonight. And in the AFL, the Western Bulldogs, they really need some points. Now, Shane, the Western Bulldogs, they were in the grand final last year. They played against the Melbourne Demons. This year, they've been in the media for the wrong reasons. We saw Luke Beveridge blow up at a journo. They really need some points. Bailey Smith and Aaron Norton back for them uh, against your Sydney Swans tonight. They do, and uh, we all know what happened in the grand final last year against the the, the Dees, against Melbourne. Melbourne absolutely smoked them um, and absolutely flogged uh, the Western Bulldogs. The Western Bulldogs have started the season, they're none and two. And so they've had three big losses in a row. Sydney Swans are two and zero. So as you as you mentioned, Bailey Smith and Aaron Norton will strengthen uh, the Western Bulldogs side, but they really need to start to get some points on the board to um, really get the season away. None and three, uh, it's, it can be a long way back from there, but the Swans, hopefully it's a shorter turnaround for them and hopefully they're not sort of don't have a hangover from the from the buddy celebration last week. Hopefully the Swans can back to playing really, really good footy again and, and, um, and get the chocolates there as well. Now in rugby league, Michael Maguire, last week they should have won that game, shouldn't they? Mm. They should have beaten the Warriors. He needed Luke Brooks or someone else to step up and they didn't. Um, but uh, tonight they take on the Titans and I'm sure that that axe is just floating above his head if they don't. Get the chocolates. It's it's not an easy game either. You could see, you could just see the Tigers calling one of those extraordinary board meetings, can't you? <laughs> I can see that happening after this match. And uh, look, the Titans look all right too, Tim. And and yeah, I've, I've got a I've got a bit of a gut feeling here that if they do lose this match, there could be one of those extraordinary board meetings called. And and Maguire may be the first coach sacked this year. 
Now, what about the grand final rematch? You notice, Shane, I have not mentioned the fact that you said the Roosters were going to beat the Rabbitohs 30 or by 30 points. And I won't mention that as well. I won't mention that you said that. But, of course, grand final rematch and um, Souths hit form again last week. So this is not going to be just some pushover for the Penrith team. That wasn't one of my best predictions, was it? But uh, how wrong was I there? This is going to be a cracking match. Uh, The Panthers are the only team after three rounds to be undefeated. And, and South looked really good last week. They muscled up. There's some big boys in that team, and uh, this should be a cracker of a match. And I think from the hurt of losing the grand final last year, the Rabbits will be out for redemption. Well, the Socceroos, they really are struggling. They've lost again, this time to Saudi Arabia, 1-0. And uh, this road to the World Cup finals is treacherous, perilous. Well, it's sudden death from now on, and you play teams from South America. So, look, Australia's only won one of their last seven matches. So I can't believe we're even a chance to still even make the World Cup after losing that many matches anyway. So, um, yeah, I think Graham Arnold, will, will he see it through? He may as well finish off now and then start again once we get knocked out. But, uh, yeah, the Socceroos are long, long favourites to, uh, to make this World Cup now. He's certainly getting some support, Graham Arnold. Frank Farina's come out, the ex-Socceroos coach, and, and said they should stick with him. Well, there's one game to go, really, isn't there? Um, maybe two. Uh Whenever we lose now, we're out. So um, you may as well see it through. It's no, no, probably no point um, appointing a new coach for potentially one game in South America. You may as well let Arnold go with that squad. But uh, yeah, I think we need a whole review of of the Socceroo team itself and how we perform because one win in seven matches, last seven matches, is not good enough. Now, Tiger Woods, uh, a lot of the world is normalising in sport. We're seeing crowds back at football games and and uh, the crowds will be at the US Masters. And there's a story circulating that the great Tiger Woods, after that car smash, could be back at Augusta National. Well, Timmy, I reckon this, is only, this is only talk, I reckon. So Tiger Woods was seen playing around at Augusta um, and he's believed to have walked all 18 holes. It's the first time he has done that since the car accident. He needs a, a motorised car to get around the ground now. Um, he's not ready for the comeback yet. I know people are excited. They want him to play in the Masters, but uh, he played this round, I think, with Thomas and um, and also his son uh, and apparently walked the 18 holes, which is the first time. But, yeah, he's, his body's not in the condition yet to be able to sustain you know, four rounds of the Masters at this level just yet. Well, whether it's in the next few weeks or the next year, it's hard to think that he won't do something special again. Mm. He's always defied the odds, hasn't he, um, Tiger Woods? He's phenomenal. Yes, he has. Yep. Now, staying on um, American sport, I love American sport. I really do. And I love the NBA. Michael Jordan, this is a really interesting yarn. Michael Jordan talking about his relationship with the huge man, Shaquille O'Neal. We see him a lot in all those ads for a betting agency here in Australia. He's a huge man. It was funny, yeah, it, it's the real sort of um, getting inside Jordan's mind. And, and he said that uh, whenever someone knocked you down the basketball court, if they picked you up, was a big insight into whether they were mentally tough or not. And he said, if, if players used to pick me up, he knew that they were mentally weak. If they just left me on the ground and tried to walk over me, and he, he said, I knew I was in a, in a real fight with them. And uh, when he took on Shaquille O'Neal, he said the biggest man he ever took on in the basketball court, he ran straight at him, uh, got knocked down, and Shaquille O'Neal bent over and picked up Michael Jordan. And then Jordan knew from that point he was just a really nice guy and had the edge over him and uh, went on to dominate him for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, interesting insight into um, certain little gestures you could do on a basketball court that can give you intel into how their mind works. Yeah, talking about toughness. Uh, A note to finish on, how tough was 
Bob Simpson, of course. Uh, he played for Australia as a young man. He went on to captain Australia again at the age of 40 when World Series cricket started. Uh, and he was your coach uh, in the Australian cricket team when you first got in. He was tough. Yeah, a really tough coach. My first coach in the Australian team back in 1995-6. And uh, we went to India in the 96 World Cup. And I, I remember Bob Simpson always used to pay well, we found out later in life that he used to pay off um, the uh, person who walked, worked on the doors at the hotel so he could work out if we came home a bit late, had too many drinks. He always knew that and he'd put us through some rigorous uh, training sessions if, we, if he thought we'd been out having one or two too many. But uh, we're doing this training session uh, on the ground in India and in Calcutta, I think it was, and I threw the ball back in. Craig McDermott had his baseball mitt and was ready to catch the ball to give it to Bob Simpson to hit it with his cricket bat. And I threw the ball in quite hard, and Craby put his hand up in front of Bob Simpson's face to catch the ball, and then let the ball go and hit Bob Simpson straight in the head like a full cricket throw from the boundary. And he just shook it off, picked up another cricket ball, and hit me to catch the next ball. Like he's one tough mother. It's like getting shot by a, by a three three oh three gun from from a hundred meters away. But uh, Bob Simpson just shook it off and hit the next ball. He's tough. Shot him under rule three oh three with a kookaburra. <laughs> That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, our sponsors are Brian Beer, the beer that loves you back. And, of course, thank you to our wonderful producer, Mr. Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.